0: Hi, thank you for listening. I know you're going to love this episode. Hey, listen, real quick, if you need some help ending self-sabotage and winning the war for your life and just having a plan, giving you the how to the why and knowing exactly what you need to do to win the war for your life, go to courses.royred.com forward slash winner's circle opt-in. Again, that's courses royredredd.com forward slash winner's circle opt-in o-p-t-i-n and get a free course free master class called winning the war for your life and get all of my best-selling books all three of them for free enjoy the episode Welcome to the Success Code. Where Roy Red provides interviews, discussions, strategies, and talks to help broaden your perspective on your road to cracking the Success Code, which is a personal, self-expressive journey. Enjoy. Hi everybody, it's Roy Red. Time best-selling author and creator of this podcast, Success the Success Code. And I'm super duper excited. I got the beautiful, smart, she got a degree in everything, and the host of the night show, Elani. <laughs> how are you?
1: Hello, I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. So, how do you pronounce your last name? Afalava. Afalava. I don't want nope. butch- to, I didn't want to butcher it. It's
1: okay. <laughs> Kelani's <laughs> good.
0: Tear it up. Keilani, okay. <laughs> so This, I was, I really wanted to interview you because um, we had a couple conversations about mental health and about love, and I was like, you know what, her mental, her mind is on another level, and so I wanted to really get your perspective. I also have a pretty big woman audience. Uh, Women are, usually have the tendency to be smarter than men and gravitate towards personal development a little more, and so... I thought that you could really bring some value. So just tell us more about yourself.
1: Thank you. Well, first and foremost, my voice is gone. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll just put that out there right now. A- um, I'm drinking tea to kind of make sure I get through this. But again, my name is Kaylani. Um I am 25. I live here in Seattle. <clears throat> I work in diversity and inclusion for a counseling agency um there's a lot that goes into that but a lot of the stuff that I do that I'm most passionate about is actually outside of work Mm -hmm. um I am a co-host for a talk show that we brought to my hometown in Tacoma um it's called the night show Mm -hmm. and I do tons of community service with like domestic violence awareness mental health awareness Mm -hmm. um just even helping the youth especially women youth so um that's kind of where I am. Oh, and I'm a doctoral student.
0: <laughs> Dang, doctor. Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, I it's it's so like I really look up to that. Like sometimes like a lot of entrepreneurs get into bashing school and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I just can't do it. So I really look up to someone who could like go to school, really be disciplined and study, especially for a long period of time.
1: I mean, education has always kind of been like my thing, but mm-hmm. I don't push it on anyone. I don't yeah. want people to, who aren't into education like that yeah. to think that they have to have it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, it's something that I, it was for me in my path. So yeah. if you want to do it, I'm here for it. But like, I'm not going to tell you that you need a degree to do what you want to do because you don't, you know what I mean? So
0: yeah.
1: I'm not ever the type, ta- I'm not on the other end of it either. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, I when when I spoke at Stanford, I was super nervous and felt underqualified Oh, really? Like, yeah, because, like, when I got the pamphlet, it's, like, this guy, Ph.D., Jeffrey Pfeffer, Mm. Ph.D., Roy Redd. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And then it hit me. It was, like, the first time I was, like, okay, I'm going to go back and get it done when I have time, you know?
1: For sure.
0: So what's your favorite hobby?
1: Oh, man. Right now, probably reading or writing, as cliche as that sounds, because I do so much of it anyways. (laughs) so but, book coming out? <laughs> it's on the way mm-hmm. um i i'm finishing my degree next year in may so I literally i'm in my last year it's like my victory lap i keep calling it that uh-huh. so once that's done i kind of want to maximize my time and dedicate that to the book so doctors doctoral duties right now and then we'll get focused on the book later
0: <laughs> so just jumping off the course real quick since you said that's your victory lap how did you feel about the whole nipsey thing did that did that touch you a lot?
1: Yeah, no, that was, that was, so for me personally, I don't keep up with a lot of celebrities. Yeah. Like, I, I, I have no problem with people who do. I just personally, I've never been the type of person to, like, be involved in other people's lives who have nothing to do with me really, you know? I've always, I actually purposely alter my content on social media to focus it on things that I want to see every day, like quotes or Sometimes it'll be like eyelashes and makeup and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But I try to stay typically within like the personal development and (laughs) like, um, like self-help kind of like realm, you know what I mean? But Nipsey has always been one artist that I've always been like very, very, um, consistent with, I should say when it came to like listening to him, I never really kept up with a lot of the stuff that he did, but I knew that he was very active in like the community and things like that. So, um, He's been the one artist that I listened to since like 2009. Uh, and he's been on every single one of my playlists. Like every single time that I go to the gym, I'm listening to him. Every single time I'm like getting ready to go out, I'm listening to him, you know. But it really struck a chord with me because you know that he was like so passionate about being so much more than just a rapper. And I always respected that about him because it was never about the clout, it was never about the money, it was never about, you know what I mean, anything. Art. But besides the legacy that he wanted to leave and the fact that he did so much in 33 years is like incredible to me you know so just his selflessness is something that I feel like we all can take away from and I it was a really hard loss for me as much as I don't keep up with that kind of stuff you know Um, I still feel it to this day so
0: yeah yeah. it hit me hard you know like I had a lot of depths in my family, actually, recently, and that hit me like it was part of my family. You know, mm-hmm. I remember when I was a kid and I used to drive to basketball practice, I would go through his hood and he would just yeah. be like, hey, bro, listen to my album. If it's whack, throw it out the window. Like, that's, that was like his thing. And, and, you know, I never listened to it until one day my friend let me hear a song called The Hustle's Way, and then mm-hmm. I just fell in love with him from there.
1: He so, was so respected, just well-respected yeah. across the board. I feel, I feel like because he was so humble, yeah. you know, and he never, like, he, just like you said, like, if it's trash, just throw it out. You know what I mean? So, and it's so, much,
0: it's so doper that he didn't have to be humble because he had that yeah, level of exactly. respect and he still was.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That's so I, mean.
0: I believe that your philosophy on life dictates your mindset, your actions and can really help, you know, set the frame for other people. So what's your philosophy on life? Like your life philosophy?
1: I feel like this is such a hard question to answer because it can be like, <laughs> it can go so yeah, many it different It can be ways.
0: so many and things, but like yeah, simple life philosophy. Like for mine, it's integrity.
1: Mm, yeah, It makes sense. I think for me, um, my philosophy on life is like, you have to be more process driven than you are results driven. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like a part of that process really starts from, excuse me, looking inward and making sure that everything that's driving you to do what you want to do is from a place of like, it's very intentional, you know? And it's, we often, and me too, I'm I'm a part of we, (laughs) uh, we fall victim to like our habits, our fears, or our ego, our pride, or even society and like instant gratification and lust and greed and stuff like that. And that's kind of what forces us to like do things and move in certain ways, you know, but you really start to dig yourself in a hole that you can't get yourself out of, you know? So I think that when you become intentional and you hold yourself accountable and you accept everything that you are and you're just open to changing, I think that's huge too. Um, Because I feel like every part of that process demands a different you. You know what I mean? So remaining process-driven rather than results-driven, I think, is my philosophy.
0: That's so amazing you say that. So I have this uh, coaching group I call the Inner Circle Group, and Mm -hmm. I call it the winner Circle. And we always say that whoever has the most intentionality always wins. Whoever has the most clear vision exactly what they want to do, before they go into a game with my athletes, before they go into a meeting with my CEO people always wins. And um, process over emotions. Now, that's kinda hard for a woman though.
1: It is. It's dope it you be. that. So, <laughs>
0: I mean Uh I
1: feel like emotions are going to be a part of your process regardless just Mm -hmm. because, um, but I mean, I also feel like a part of the process is being able to master your emotions Mm -hmm. because a lot of times, like I said, your habits can kind of like, dictate the way that you do things you know what I mean and if you don't take control of like the patterns in your life and mm. your emotions and everything that come up you know so you're not operating off emotion you're not operating off of like oh this is just habitual and I've, I've done this forever and it's always just going to be this way like no you have to be open to changing at some point because you can't stay where you're going to be forever you know
0: yeah um, so let's say you got to see your old self maybe High school self, freshman.
1: <laughs> okay. What you
0: tell freshman key.
1: I would probably
0: that would
1: be different. Yeah, sorry, the window's open. Um,
0: That's fine.
1: I probably would tell her to honestly go to therapy. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'm very pro therapy, but I I started to go to therapy after a very traumatic um, relationship. I was in a domestic violence relationship, um, and it ended in 2016. Uh-huh. Um, And I started to take therapy a little bit seriously after that. But at that time, I feel like you don't necessarily need something to happen to you or something to be quote unquote wrong with you for you to seek therapy. And I think that that's something that I ended up learning while going to therapy. Um, But I feel like being introduced to that um, throughout my youth would have helped me become the woman that I am today, maybe a little bit quicker. Um, But I mean, I don't regret
0: my path at all, yeah. you know? So Yeah. Um looking back, um did those tough experiences, you know, obviously they helped you mold you into the woman you are today and helped mm-hmm. you stay on a path and brought you to personal development and things of that sort. Mm. Um, how did how were you able to get past and forgive and kind of work through you know whatever experiences or feelings you had outside of therapy just Mm -hmm. just key key Keelani self-talk like what mental linguistic abstractions help you get through you know your path
1: um i think being very brutally honest with myself was a very good start um i feel like when you don't pay attention to the stuff that you're saying to yourself or you're, again, going back to like your habits and like really facing everything about you, the, every decision that you've made, every mistake you've made, your weaknesses, your strengths, everything are all together, like all of them coexisting. I think that when I was finally able to actually face all of that and look at myself and still say like, you are completely worthy of the love that you want to receive and the life that you want to live, you know what I mean? Regardless of wherever you feel like you fall short or, you know what I mean? Whatever work you feel like you still need to do. um, I think that that was kind of the first step to me healing. Um, And healing to me has been an ongoing process. I think that a lot of trauma kind of tries to show up in different ways, you know, so, um, and you really never know what your triggers are until they trigger you. You know what I mean? So um, I think, building the foundation, not off of fragile ground and having it be very, um, intentional again, um, being very honest with yourself and, you know, talking to yourself nicely. Cause we're kind of our hardest critics, you know, um, understanding that you still have a way to go, but also being happy with all the work you've done already. So. Yeah,
0: that's dope. That's so dope. So what's one of your big hairy audacious goals? Like, that huge goal that's going to take you maybe a decade to achieve?
1: Yeah. Um, I feel like I'll be brief because I'm very weird about sharing my goals with a lot of people.
0: Uh-oh.
1: So <laughs> um, one of my biggest goals is to change our education system, oh. uh, the way that it operates. Yes. Um, oh. I think that that's something that is, there's so many things I think that need to be changed about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will just say that for now. <laughs> um, and then another one of my goals is to kind of just get people um, to kind of change the stigma surrounding um, mental health in general. And I think that, I mean, a lot of my job is kind of shedding light on how, because I do work in diversity for a counseling agency. So a lot of it comes from like cultural stigma around mental health, seeking mental health treatment. Yeah. Um, so like for me, I'm Samoan and growing up, I was always told if you're sad, you just go to church. Like, That's it. You know what I mean? Um, If you, you know, or you're just sad, you'll get over it. And when it comes to men, it's always like, be a man about it. Don't talk about your vulnerabilities. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know what I mean? So I think I would want to, yeah. And it's, it's so detrimental to everybody. You know what I mean? Because it kind of just perpetuates this toxic, like, I don't know, gender norms that you might have. Uh So I think that I would love to kind of start to change the way that the world sees that and have it not be so negative you know what i mean yeah so yeah all right so
0: diving into mental health um the state of mental health so i'm actually writing a book called the little book of mental health another book <laughs> the state of mental health is like it's it's getting worse obviously right addiction depression anxiety yeah i'm um, at work with people all the time with this stuff what do you think is causing um, on a macro level, uh, the so-called mental issues?
1: I mean, mm, this is a I'm hard also,
0: I, I, I don't like when like, baby boomers be like, social media is why. I, gotta yeah. gotta, gotta I mean,
1: I definitely think that the way society, you know, perpetuates, like, lip- beauty, for example, that's going to affect the way a little girl grows up because social media is literally right at her fingertips. You know what I mean? So I understand that to an extent. But I also think that it's it's really just about I mean, and this kind of goes hand in hand with like, I mean, you really can't change the environment that you grow up in, you know what I mean? You just can't. That's that's you, it just is what it is. Um, but I think that I I know for a fact that like our mental health care system, like mental mental illness itself does not discriminate, but our mental health care system does yeah. um, because it's very it's focused kind of on a like westernized kind of way of healing when it needs to be very personal and it has to be very um just specific again intentional you know what I mean so I think that it's it's kind of like we're giving this universal fix to something that is not like universal at all in any way you know what I mean (laughs) so I think yeah, I probably would say that that's the biggest issue yeah. that we have right now.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's dope you said that. I'm probably gonna mess this up, but I wrote a quote when I was writing last night. I said, um, "I said what holds most people back is believing somebody else understands their experience better than they do."
1: Exactly, or even like even yeah. even it just get lost in transate translation. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like I could sit here and tell you about my experiences, the trauma that I've gone through, but you're not gonna be able to receive it the way that I. You know what I mean? Even if I articulate it in the best way possible, you know what I mean? So a lot of that stuff does get lost in translation. So. And I took
0: like an empathy class. And the first thing I realized is, oh, I can't be empathetic with everyone because I can't put myself in everyone's shoes. That was like the first thing I learned, you know? So true. I too, But some people you just can't. And, yeah. And then I learned, I think the lady taught me like, it was like, you just say, you know yeah that probably sucked and i have no clue what you're going through but i'm just yeah. right here, you know
1: yeah yeah true and i always i feel like i feel like there's some people who deserve to see you at your most vulnerable and i'm so i feel like there are also some other people who might not be able to grasp it because they are not vulnerable with themselves and they mm-hmm. don't have a healthy relationship with their vulnerabilities no. or their insecurities So I think until you take care of that internally, you're not going to be able to perpetuate any type of empathy or anything to kind of like support someone else. You know what I mean? So I feel like being able to even say that, like, I do not understand what you're going through and I'm not going to take away from your experiences, but I'm here. You know what I mean? I feel like that's a very healthy way to kind of separate the fact that, you know, I'm not there yet, but I'm here for you still, you know?
0: I struggle with that because I'm like, you know, (laughs) what I was raised, it's like everything's hard. Like over it. Like
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's true. (laughs)
0: Um, what's something you failed at?
1: Oh my gosh, the list is so long. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um man, I know. I mean, I feel like I failed myself before when it came to like my emotional kind of like so i i'm a firm believer in like your character um showing up in the most difficult situations because i can be a good person when i'm when it's easy for me to be a good person you know what i mean when it's easy for me to give a homeless person some food or some money you know what i mean but when it's difficult for me to kind of put my words to the test you know when i when the situations are arising and it's like all odds are against me i feel like that's kind of where a lot of people fall short and that's why i've fallen short before too because i'll say like i'm not about this and i'm not about that but then when the situation arises i'm really all about it you know what i mean so
0: right he believed we have to put people in the actual situation yep Uh, my cousin was actually murdered a couple years ago And um, one thing about him was he used to tell me he was in the military and he Mm. told me about like the worst thing you could tell someone in the military was I wouldn't want to be in a foxhole with you. And what a foxhole was is they would, if they're behind enemy lines, they would dig a, a ditch and they would sit back to back and be like, bro, I love you. We in this together. And they would protect each other's back all night until the relief came Mm. so when you told somebody i wouldn't want to be in a foxhole with you you're basically saying i don't trust your character
1: Mm. when things get tough Mm -hmm. and
0: so like that was big for me like especially Mm. in a relationship
1: oh yeah for sure
0: when things get tough like when i'm at my worst can you still see the king in me can you still see the queen in me
1: yeah right
0: bad you know
1: yeah I mean, I feel like you kind of have to see it for yourself first, too. You know what I mean? Like, even at your worst, like, you still have to be able to see the king in you. You still have to be able to, like, pull that out no matter what. You know what I mean?
0: Which leads me to my next question, which is loaded, which we kind of talked on Instagram. (laughs) Like, what is love to you? Like...
1: Yeah, that is... That really is a loaded question. (laughs) Um, You know, I think that love... It's really difficult to define, just like you said, because I feel like a lot can and does get lost in translation. Um, But what I will say, the way that I understood love, especially recently, um, I always think about my sister. She's my cousin, but I call her my sister. I grew up with her like my sister. Um, These last three years, her and I have gone through so many transitional phases in our lives. We're on two completely different paths, but we have a lot of the same values um and that 's something that has allowed us to remain so close um but each of those transitions has forced us to be different people, so learning to kind of love who we are ourselves first, obviously, but even you know every Kaylaani that i 've been along the way, she has to learn how to love that, you know what I mean, just as I 'm trying to learn to love it too, and vice versa so um I mean, I think in a partnership when it comes to like you dating somebody, I think that love is just learning to not become a prisoner of your past and making sure that you don't look for these like umbrella definitions of love because a lot of it is, is it's a lot of people think it's just like these big weddings and these nice pictures and the trips and things like that. You know what I mean? Um, But making sure that you're not like, oh, fix me or cure my loneliness or, you know what I mean, like, fulfill me in a way that I haven't fulfilled myself yet. You kind of have to, like, go into it, like, I don't want you to heal my trauma. I want to heal it for myself so that I can better love you, and I want you to do that for yourself so you can better love me. So, um, I mean, I remember reading this book. It was called, it's called The Men on My Couch by Brandi Engler. I think I'm saying her name, right? Um, And it's about, she's a psychotherapist. She talks about sex, love, and relationships, Uh and the first chapter is um, about one of her clients who came in, and he was like, I've been dating this girl forever, and I, she's the most beautiful woman on the planet. She looks like a Victoria's Secret model, but I don't love her, and I don't know why. Tell me why I don't love her, and she's like, I can't tell you why you don't love your woman. You know what I mean? So she asked him, she said, why, tell me the things that you love about her, and he was just like, oh, she cooks for me. She cleans for me. She does this and that for me intimately, and this and that, and then she was just like, "You literally just listed everything that she does for you. Tell me what you love about her, you know." Mm-hmm. And okay. I think that that's a lot of what today's definition of love is. Mm-hmm. It's very like, "Satisfy me right now, satisfy me," and like, "You you make me look good." It's an appearance type of thing. Of course, I'm going to be with someone who looks like a Victoria's Secret model, or
0: yeah. you know,
1: anything along those lines. So, mm-hmm. I think that you know when we look past that kind of stuff and are actually able to love the person rather than loving what they can do or what they provide or anything like that, again, being able to fulfill someone in a certain way that we haven't fulfilled ourselves, I think that that's the best definition of love that I can give. I want to say it's unconditional, but it's hard to say that because...
0: What, you I feel have a like, respect level.
1: Yeah, for sure, you know, so... Um,
0: I totally agree. So my same take is love is an idea. Like we don't, most people don't love people. They love ideas. You got to love an actual person.
1: Exactly. You
0: have your non-negotiables. Look,
1: mm-hmm.
0: don't cheat, don't steal, don't do this, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Everything else we can work out. You know
1: right.
0: That's dope. That's dope. So, yeah, exactly. you,
1: you have to know what those non-negotiables are. Yeah. Yeah. You
0: got to know, you got to know what those are. Cause man.
1: Yeah. You
0: have All to. right, so, You want a family?
1: I do. I have a very traditional way of like the way that I want my family to be in the future. (laughs) Um, I want to get married. I want to have like four kids, you know, but I'm at a point in my life right now where I'm just like, I, I'm really maximizing my time that I'm spending with myself and kind of like, I mean, if it happens, it happens, you know, but I'm not out here actively searching. So, Yeah. yeah.
0: So what is success in your eyes? Like, what is success to you?
1: Yeah, this is another definition that could be loaded
0: loaded question
1: loaded. Um, I think that success can and should change over time because you're constantly growing into a different person. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally haven't ever aligned my success with finances or my job titles or my degrees or anything like that or my possessions, um, which is a lot of what people do when it comes to defining success. (laughs) Um, But one constant definition for me um, that's remained the same for years now is it's success is really a mindset. And I think it all begins internally. Um, It's forgiving yourself for the mistakes that you made. It's, you know, being your biggest cheerleader, loving yourself in your entirety, holding yourself accountable. It's, honoring your worth, um, seeing everything you are and everything you've been and everything you've done and understanding that you still have so much more to offer than what you've been told and helping people around you become better simply by being the example yourself, like by leading yourself. I think that that's the best definition of success to me. So yeah.
0: Dope. All right. (laughs) As we're wrapping up, Mm -hmm. is there anything else I should have asked you?
1: Oh man. I don't know I mean, I feel like i'm kind of an open book i feel i'm very like I'm very in tune with myself and I'm very honest with myself and i'm i I, le- I love to talk about things that a lot of people don't but they kind of get uncomfortable with you know, not like it's like to serve a pie i mean I can but <laughs> yeah um i mean I'm open to talking about like my insecurities I'm open to being very, very vulnerable on camera i I'm very open to you know just having those conversations where you really get to see again the human being rather than like whatever's externally there um so I feel like you could have asked me anything and I would have answered it
0: (laughs) well like I said I do have a pretty big woman audience and Mm -hmm. it's gonna be like a new thing of mine to really uh try to impact and empower you know any any woman that I can especially in the dynamics let's talk about that real quick what is up with Alabama and Atlanta like
1: oh my god, real life
0: (laughs) is this real life
1: it's
0: (laughs) it's so bad like it doesn't even like it doesn't even seem real
1: well my my biggest issue with that is is that it's so again the job uh, the job that I have a lot of my job is bringing a seat to the table that was never there before you know so when we're in the decision making processes for a certain department let's say the child and family services or something like that mm-hmm. and the only people who are there are the is the executive leadership team there's no one there from child and family services how are they going to be able to tell tell what the problems are how to fix them without that person there saying hey i'm a part of this program i know what's going on i can help you make this decision you know what i mean there was not <laughs> any consideration for any other woman who did feel a certain way. Like, if you're going to make a decision that is either, again, pro-life, pro-choice, whatever it may be, you have to bring both parties to the table so that you guys can discuss that, you know, yeah. instead of having it be very, just a very unlevel playing field. I feel like I don't want these men to be making decisions about me and my reproductive rights. Yeah,
0: that's wild.
1: It's crazy it's- to me.
0: I read, there's a book called The Toyota Way, where Toyota, the person who actually does the work makes the decisions on the process that does the work. And so, you know, there's just a story. I thought this was really dope about Beyonce as she was looking for like this sneaker deal. And I believe she went to Adidas, I think it was either Adidas or Reebok. mm -hmm. And, you know, they were about to make a deal. And finally, she said, is this the room? Is these are the people that are going to be working on my product, and they were like, Yeah, you know, here's the contract. And she said, I can't sign the contract because nobody in here reflects my culture. I don't see anyone exactly. in here who can represent my culture. Why would I allow you guys to make decisions
1: exactly? It's
0: just like, Yo, the people who are doing it have to come to the table. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, I think it's I'm important, get, to get hot you. right now.
1: Oh no, I know. (laughs) I think it's important too because like if you don't, if you're not even open to hearing the other side, you know, it's, there's, there's just no, there's no win-win, you know what I mean? And not saying that there could have been a win-win coming from this type of decision, but I mean, you can be pro-life and still not have to make decisions about another woman's reproductive rights, you know what I mean? And I think that that was kind of what got lost in the whole entire decision making process. And I'm just, I'm just disappointed because I feel like it's like you're kind of, this is the foundation this is where it all starts. Cause this is going to be a snowball effect of what's going to continue to happen. What's going to continue to perpetuate. So I think it's important for people like Beyonce to set that example, like, Hey, this isn't okay. And I'm not going to be a part of this just because that doesn't reflect my right. Like my, values my beliefs and anything like that so
0: all right thank you so much for your time i know you're busy i know you just like flew back home yeah i appreciate (laughs) it so much
1: of course Um, thank you for having me i appreciate it
0: i'm gonna put all your handles in the descriptions and all of that stuff on all of the platforms and send you everything but um just you know give yourself a shout out let you know people know where they could find you
1: yeah um my instagram is miss keilani xo that's m-s-k-e-i-l-a-n-i-x-o um same thing for twitter um and that's kind of it i mean you can find me on facebook if you want it's just Mm -hmm. i'm not really on there too much (laughs) i don't really use it i keep i do it to keep up with my family that's out of like state and out of the country and stuff like that yeah
0: (laughs) thank you so much i appreciate it
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank
0: you guys for listening on another episode of the Success Code. I told you guys I'm going to do more interviews instead of just ranting on the podcast. And we had the beautiful Kaylani. Thank you.
1: Thank you you guys. And always
0: remember to be yourself. Love and all you guys. Peace.